Frequency Cast Update. Hi, this is Carl. And this is Pete. Each month we bring you the Frequency Cast podcast, our tantalising take on technology. The mini show you're listening to now is designed to keep you updated while we're busy working on the next show. So, Pete, what have you got for us? Well, Freeview HD at last is here. If you remember, Freeview HD launched at the start of December 2009, but there was a problem. Can you remember? Yeah, there weren't any boxes. Well, the race has been on and the first box is actually out. The weekend just gone, the 13th and 14th of February, saw the launch of the Humax HD Fox T2 Freeview High Definition Box. Okay, give me the rundown. First off, for all our podcast listeners, here's a picture of it. Look, we're holding it up to the mic now. Isn't it nice? It's uh, black. It's the same sort of shape and size of all your other uh, satellite boxes. And it's got a clock on it, I do believe. Don't they all? And uh, a cursor in the middle with um, a few other buttons. But basically, it's quite buttonless. There you go. So let me give you the rundown on this. Uh, This is the first Freeview HD box to hit the market. It is fully compliant with the DVB T2 standard, which is what you need for Freeview HD. So it will get the two Freeview HD channels that are available now. That's BBC HD and ITV1 HD. Uh, Channel 4 and 5's HD services will be coming over the next couple of years. But do bear in mind, at the moment, this is only available in the Granada and the London area. Right. So when do I get one? Are you in the Granada or London area? I could pretend I am. There you go. It'll be available now. So what else does the uh, Fox T2 offer? It's got an eight-day EPG program guide, Dolby Digital Audio Out, subtitles, audio descriptions, automatic detection of new channels and services, and, cleverly, it will play media from a connected device. So if you plug in an external hard disk or a memory stick through USB, it will play back XVID videos, JPEG photos, MP3 audio. Very good. And it will also support sharing of um, media files over your PC or NAS through your home networking, which is cool. Fantastic. I'm liking it already. And it has an Ethernet socket for future connectivity for things like the BBC iPlayer. Good. Any more? That's it so far, but this is a pretty capable internet-enabled HD box, which is good. And how many readies do I need to purchase one of these fine devices? Well, this is it. If you go out and buy a standard basic Freeview box... In the high street, we're talking about 30 quid. So how much do you reckon for the HD version? 75. £180. Ouch, that's a little bit more uh, spiteful than I imagined. Yeah, I must admit, I'm a little disappointed with the price. I think all the initial boxes are going to be in the 150 quid mark. It's kind of what happened when uh, FreeSat came out as well. Uh, But yeah, not particularly good price point um it's only available in a very few places at the moment it launched at the weekend in john lewis in london and you can now get it from the humax website we've also found it slightly cheaper online at a couple of sites what we'll do is on our blog our news site we will put in some links to where to find it slightly cheaper excellent i'll look forward to that now i do understand that we have a load of techies out there who i don't understand at all but they'll want to know what's on the back of this device so uh, can you give me the rundown righty-ho you have an hdmi socket for connection to your hd telly two scarts one ethernet rj45 one usb socket for your external media an aerial in an aerial out it's not a modulated output which i know will matter to some stereo audio phonos the uh, left and right uh, white and reds and also one of the yellow uh, composite video outs as well as an SPDIF digital audio out. Sounds quite well kitted. 
bit like a Swiss Army knife. I also should mention video formats 1080p, 1080i, 720p, 576p, 576i, power consumption less than one watt in standby, so it's quite green, and it's supplied with an HDMI lead and a remote control. There you go. That is the Humax HD Fox T2 High Definition Freeview Box, available now. Make a great post-Valentine's present, won't it? What else have you got to show us? I'm actually going to stick with Freeview HD because over the last couple of days there's been a launch of something Freeview-related for the iPhone. Oh yeah, what's that then? Well, the iPhone, well, it's an over, overpriced but incredibly sexy touchscreen device. No, 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 I mean, what, what's the new thing for the iPhone? Right, 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 sorry. There's a little icon, what does that say? HD. Yes, Freeview HD, let's fire this up. On my iPhone, there we go. What's on now on the iPhone? An arrange button, a search button. And this is basically an electronic program guide for Freeview HD as well as all the other Freeview channels. Very quick description. Uh, well, basically, it has all the channels on the left-hand side, and it tells you exactly what's on at what time. And you can just... Uh, that's rather intense, actually. Uh, a lot of information there. Very handy. You can actually press the Arrange button and filter out the channels you don't want, which is quite handy. And there's this little search button here. When I press that, what comes up? Oh, it has a whole little form to fill out. Uh, Twitter packs, film, documentaries, children's, music, sport. Um, you just choose a category, I guess, and then off you go. What's actually quite nice here is this Twitter pics. So this connects you to the Freeview Twitter feed, and I'm just waiting for this to load up now. This is meant to inspire you as to what to watch. So it's telling me today, the Brits is on ITV. They haven't let Sam Fox on again, have they? Isn't it time someone brought back leopard print sweater vests? Uh, Ferris Bueller. Oh, that's one of your favourite films, isn't it? Bueller, Bueller... Bueller. And, oh, look, the third news story here. Uh, the Humax HD Fox T2 Freeview Box is on sale today. Well, we knew that. Swing, bada, 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 swing, bada. There you go. So that's a Freeview HD application available now in the App Store, free of charge. Got anything else for us? Yes, one final story I want to mention. You remember back in show 46 we talked about Wi-Fi hotspots? Oh, yeah. BT has just announced they now have one million Wi-Fi hotspots in the UK and Ireland. Aren't you supposed to say that with your little finger on the corner of your mouth? One million. <laughs> One million hotspots. So six months ago, BT were claiming to have half a million, and in just six months, they've now leapt up to one million. That apparently is made up of 860,000 home hubs, all using BT Fon, 137,000 business hubs, and 3,000 true BT Open Zone hotspots, the ones you find in coffee shops and the like. Well, those BT boys have been busy, haven't they? Well, it's slightly odd as well. You know, the Home Hub has this thing called BT Fon, which lets you share out a little percentage of your bandwidth to others. Oh, yeah. Well, they've now started enabling that by default. It used to be something you'd opt into, but now you're in whether you want to or not. So that's probably explaining the mass leap from half a million to a million is because they're turning people's boxes into uh, base stations unless people decide they want to opt out. That's a little bit sneaky. But there you go, one million hotspots. So, uh, I'm looking at my mailbag. It's an impressive piece of work. Have we got any emails or texts in uh, from the last show? You're a mailbag. Thank you very much, and you're a handbag. <laughs> yes, we have. Let's have a look at the forums, first of all. This one made me smile. Uh, this is from Made Bloke. This is on the frequencycast.co.uk forward slash forum site. He said he loved the weather station bit on the show, and it really showed off Pete's techie side. 
I don't think we needed the weather station thing to show off his techie side. But anyway, I felt positively underdressed, not wearing an anorak and all. Yes, thank you very much. A good uh, number of people got in touch about the weather station, which is good. Um, and I think actually a few people were quite impressed that we actually covered something that wasn't completely tech and was a little dull and boring for some of us. But uh, yeah, some good feedback. We also had some questions in. Uh, this is from uh, Chris Partridge, following up on the weather station's piece. Uh, read out uh, four questions here. Read out number one, Carl. Uh, he said, what about radio interference from other sources, e.g. TV and radio, broadband, wireless, phone masks, etc., etc.? <laughs> Yeah, so the weather station uh, has a unit that plugs onto something on the outside. So mine happens to be on my shed and has a radio transmitter that transmits to the base unit indoors. It's actually operating on the 433 megahertz band. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Which is used for low-powered RF devices, um, things like car key beeper things, wireless alarms, remote control equipment. It's not in the same band as Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and those video sender things, so it uh, won't be interfered with by your broadband and your wireless. But, yeah, there could be other devices that interfere with it. But generally, I'd say probably should be any interference there. Cool. And uh, surely your installation measurements will be affected by the tree and its leaves? Yep, absolutely. Yes, it will. It actually kind of ties up with the next question as well. Read the next one as well there. Any advice, therefore, on the best point of installation? Also, the effect of the buildings, i.e. the house, on wind direction? He's also put in brackets swirling. There you go, that's a nice word, isn't it? Isn't that with an I? I don't know, he's written it there with an E, but never mind, I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. Yes, it is important to get the positioning of the weather station correct. For the main sensor, that needs to be around four feet off ground level and in an open area. So obviously if you've got it with sheds and fences in the way, it's not ideal. The anemometer, which is the uh, the cup things that uh, measure the wind speed, they need to be as high up as possible. And the actual advice is on roof level, the highest point of the house to prevent this swirling effect where the wind kind of gathers and goes around corners and, and goes whoosh. But, of course, for your average weather station, actually getting up onto the roof to fit this thing isn't going to be ideal. So there's always a bit of a compromise. Mine's on a shed. It's not ideal. It's not above uh, the house level. So we will be getting some swirling, and the building is sheltering from, from rain and wind a little bit. But it's an amateur weather station. you kind of got to take some compromises, I guess. Thank you for that, you amateur. Uh, the next one, of course, is what would be the maximum distance between device and house for good signal, etc.? I had to check the book on this one. Uh, it actually says that the kit we reviewed in the last show has a maximum range of 330 feet line of sight. So that's assuming no walls, no electrical interference, no nothing else. Um, mine, realistically, is about 30 feet away, and that's going through a wall. No problem there at all. Well, thank you for that, Raincoat. Uh, we're moving on now to Max. And uh, this one, well, I'm Mac, and I'm a Scottish. This is from McJim, of course. Uh, it obviously is Scottish. Well, don't blame him. It'd be rude not to. Uh, you were talking about the Sony e-reader software, and you mentioned that people were having problems with the software to put books onto the reader. Well, it sucks. There's no other word for it. I've had nothing but bother since buying the e-reader touch with this software, as it's forever freezing or point-blank refusing to update the reader. In the end, I had to use something called Calibre, a wee bit of software that works just fine and can search from the metadata of books too. Check it out at caliberebook.com. Nice tip. Thank you, Mac Jim. Yeah, that's excellent. Thanks for that, Jim. Uh, next, we've got one from Technoskeptic. That's a nice name, isn't it? I think I should adopt that one. Off you go. I was interested in your review on the Packard Bell IMAX Mini as I bought an Acer Revo R3610, or is that 3610? Who knows? Several months ago. Yeah, he says the two machines look identical, but the R3610 has some better specs. 250GB hard disk, 802.11G Wi-Fi, and a wireless keyboard and mouse. Could the Packard Bell IMAX be a rebadged Acer? 
Acer Revo. Yeah, they do seem to be from the same family, although the Revo is slightly more expensive than the IMAX that we reviewed back in show 48. Uh, he says... I totally agree with Pete's praise of net tops. They're ideal for the living room. The Revo almost silently does everything I ask of it, and it's the best and cheapest computer we've ever owned. Yes, it can be a bit slow starting up software, but who actually owns a computer that isn't? The only drawback to NetTops, he says, is the lack of a disk drive, which I've partly got around by using something called Magic Disk, a freeware virtual CD DVD drive, but I still can't find a way to make the factory default disk. Why can't Acer just provide a facility to create a recovery USB pen drive for their NetTops? Doll, does anyone have any ideas? Yes, if you do, please get in touch, and we'll relay that on to our techno-sceptic. He also says Acer's OEM of Windows 7 is on a hidden partition, and there's another partition called PQ Service, which I think the computer boots from. I could copy these partitions to my old computer, but I have no idea how to use these copied partitions if I ever had a problem starting up Windows on the Acer. Well, if you have an answer, let us know. Okie dokie, and the next one? Uh, Yes, we want to thank Scott Simpson, who got in touch following our piece on the uh, low-cost media player. Do you remember the HDTV thing that uh, we got Ben to review for us last show? Oh, yeah. Scott points out that there's now a live version of this, with Ethernet and support for Wi-Fi USB. The new live is only £15 more expensive and supports network connectivity. We shall update the links on our show notes for the last show, show 48. Excellent. Any more? Uh, Yes, this one here from Ken in Chingford. You can read that one. Hi, guys. Love the show. I was interested in your last show item, the Acer Revo NetTop computer. As I'm considering setting up a home entertainment system for my living room, I have since seen an Asus E-Box EB1501, which has the same specs as the Acer 3610 dual-core unit, with the added advantage of a built-in DVD writer for little more money. I wondered if you've seen this machine running and what your views are on it. Uh, regards, Ken from Chingford. Oh, nice to hear from you, Ken. To be honest, Ken, we haven't actually gone hands-on with this machine, but the EB1501 does look a pretty impressive machine. Yes, it has a DVD writer built in. It also has wireless N Wi-Fi. It's about £120 more than the Packard Bell Acer Revo, but it does look a very capable box. Very impressive. Thank you. So there you go. That's some uh, pretty good feedback to the last show, and of course the next show will be out fairly soon. Yeah, I could have told you that. I would have told you a bit like this. That's all for this update. Our next full-length show is due out on the 1st of March. Visit www.frequencycast.co.uk to get in touch and to sign up for the latest news updates. And be ready for our next tantalising take on technology. You said that beautifully. Thank you very much. Please tell your chums about us and spread the word. Frequency Cast. Update complete.